Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another brand new episode with a friend of mine, Kenny Clapp. Kenny, I feel like I've known you for a bit, and yet I think we only just met within the last year. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. At uh, Inspire Photo Retreats. Yeah, the Inspire Conference. And I have to say, you've got an energy about you that is a, a bit contagious. I mean, even just a brief conversation <laughs> that we were having before we started here. I, I don't know. There's something just wonderful about a simple happiness from somebody that is yeah. is really lovely. So uh, kudos to you Thank for that. You. Props to you for that. And this is going to make the conversation even that much easier. But Kenny is here to talk today about lighting, which is honestly something that we've not spent a ton of time on here on the podcast. There's so many topics to cover in the realm of photography and business, but more specifically, reception lighting. And I'm just going to say off the bat here, for those of you listening in, you're going to want to go check out Kenny's work at uh, on Instagram at Clap Studios. So it's C-L-A-P-P and then studios, all one word. Uh, of course, we'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Kenny, I was I was on your Instagram account to, earlier today, actually, even, and just began to scroll through, and the, the subtlety of light, your, the way that you handle light mm -hmm. is just wonderful, and it's not just reception lighting. Uh, there's a really right. wonderful variety there on your feed, so again, right. props to you for that, and thanks for making time to come talk to us about it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that, man, that, for sure. That, that actually means a lot. That means a lot. Well, and, and we're going to learn a little bit from you and, and your technique here in just a bit, but let's just start off sure. as we normally do here at the podcast and talk about brand position. Mm -hmm. um, and just for context, let our listeners know what market you're based in. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in the, uh, I'm, I'm based in Baltimore, but more, more generally, I would say the DMV area, Okay. which is like DC, Maryland, Virginia. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that area. Well, like like yeah. many other markets in the U.S. at the moment, it's it's pretty crowded. Lots of photographers. So mm -hmm. when we talk about brand position, the significance of brand position, we're talking about what sets you apart from those who are your so-called competition. Mm -hmm. So I'd be curious, what's your brand position? What's the unique value proposition that your business brings to market? Well, well you know that's that's actually a great question because it is a lot of us out there, and you know what what separates you from everyone else? And I think from day one, from the first time that I meet the client, you know, I, I try to, you know, bring across a strong sense of authenticity and, and a meaningful connection from the, from the onset of us meeting. Okay. And, and I think that's what separates us from the other, you know, our, our you know, competition or our, our peers out here. As I like to say, you know, it's, it's, if I had three words, to describe our work, I would say honest, meaningful, and attentive. Huh. Did you say attentive is the third one? Uh, attentive. Yeah. Yes. That's that's yeah. a really interesting word, actually. That, that attention <laughs> to detail is kind of what comes to mind when I hear that word. Um, mm -hmm. But let me ask you this, too, just as a point of conversation around this topic of brand position. So you hear a lot of photographers talking about the significance of relationships. 
mm-hmm. um, these days when it comes to their business, the way they engage with their clients. And, and right. honestly, a, a lot of times when I ask this question about brand position, this word comes up, relationships or the focus on meaningful relationships. So I'm curious, based on your experience, because I know our, our market's kind of wide-ranging, right? My assumption is that most everybody's focus, focusing on relationships these days, but I realize that's not the case. And, and there's still some that are um, maybe in some cases, veterans in the market who kind of still function in the old school way where you're like hardcore competition, not going to talk to you, not going to help you, not going to smile uh, at you kind <laughs> right. of thing. Do you experience this with other photographers? And we're not going to name names, obviously, but have you had experiences <laughs> with other photographers where you get the sense that they just really don't care about the relationship? They're just going to do a job and then move on? Yeah, well, you know, I've I've been in the business for a little over 11 years. Okay. And, I, and I just had to remind myself that today, like how long have I been in, in the business? It's been, it's been over 11 years. And, and during that time I've, I've come across all types of photographers and I, and I have come across photographers like that, who, who did just say, this is a business this is what I do. Yeah. You know, I've, I've come across photographers who hated weddings, but they shot weddings. So I didn't, you know, I, I think that, did you kind of give them a confused look? Like, what in the world yeah. are you doing in this business? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Like, you, you hate what you're doing, but you're doing it. And I don't, you know, that's something that I, I, I couldn't connect with. Sure. You know, yeah, I have to love what I'm doing. Well, the reason I ask this question is just for the sake of context, again, when we talk about, and, and this is for everybody listening in primarily, when we talk about this idea of brand position, the reason I bring it up is because there is so much competition in our market these days, we have to come up with a clear way of distinguishing ourselves, not necessarily right. in our work. And in fact, you know, the interesting thing about work is if you go to Instagram, so many photographers, for example, are using the same Lightroom preset, for example, um, right. and, and they right. have the same finish to their images. You actually offer something unique, Kenny, with your very masterful, masterful control of lighting. And, and I say that in all genuineness. I mean, it's not something mm-hmm. that I see regularly, but that's not always the case. A lot of photographers have a very similar look and feel. They see another photographer. They're just kind of copying what the other person is doing. So their work's not setting them apart. And we know that it's a lot easier to take a really great picture these days because of the wonderful technology we have access to. So then the question is, how do we how do we set ourselves apart? And a lot of it centers around experience. So relationships certainly is a big component of that. But in in the marketing process, when we say, let's say, for example, we're going to run a Facebook ad. And mm-hmm. uh, we're like, hey, I am Clap Studios or I'm Nathan Holritz Photography and uh, I focus on relationships. I'm curious how that then translates. I mean, when, when you're marketing to your clients, mm-hmm. are you able to effectively communicate that up front or is it all about that in-person meeting? Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, it's the in-person meeting. OK. Most of most I, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of my clients, I've had the privilege of meeting up front before I shot their wedding. Um, if not, we've had a, a conversation and, you know, it, it starts right there, Nate. It really does. It starts with, you know, me getting to know them. Of course, I talk about myself. Sure. But I'm also very curious and I'm very interested in knowing what their story is. And I think that comes across as something that's different because, you know, instead of me saying, oh, I won this award and that award, and I've been published <laughs> here, yeah. you know, they, they, they already know that yeah. because that's why they're there. So I, I want to, I take that time to really get to know my clients, get to know you know, why, why they even got together, you know, what, Mm. why, when did he, not just how did he propose, but what made that moment important at that time for him to make that decision? I ask very deep questions and sometimes, you know, I get a response like, Oh, I didn't didn't know we were going to ask all that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. 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 (laughs) I I don't even know. I haven't taken the time to think about that. Yeah. That's, I like that. Exactly. And sometimes, I mean, and and I'll wait, I'll say, you know, take some time. I'll wait, you know, you guys thirsty. I go get some water or something, but yeah, you know, I do. I do want to know that because huh. that's important. 
you know, and, and at the end of at the end of my consultations, I, I pretty much say the same thing. I mean, some people, you know, they're ready to book as soon as they sit down. But, you know, for, for those who are, you know, shopping around and they want to, you know, meet two or three other photographers in the area, I, I, I tell them the same thing, Nate. I tell them, you know, at, at a certain level, a competent photographer is going to know how to deliver a great image. To yeah, you. for sure. You know, and I said, you know, so if you're meeting with me, you're probably meeting with folks whose level of, of quality is similar to mine, you know, give or take. And so I said, what's what's going to set your decision making apart? I said, I hope that it's the person that you choose that that you feel like would add to your day mm. and, and that someone that you would be comfortable with. Yeah. You know, during during moments where you're vulnerable. I said, I, I said, I hope that's me. But if it's not me, I said, I want you guys to go with that person. Wow. That's really powerful. I, I say that from from the start, you know, and, and most of the time it's me. But if it's not, I, I really do want the best for my couples, even if they're not my couples on the long run. But I, I want I want them to be with someone who adds to their day, who they're most comfortable with, who, who they can be easy with. I want that to be the person. I hope it's me. But like I said, I, I tell them that if it's not me, I want them to go with the person who, who who brings that to the table for them. Because our prices, our work, that'll be about the same. Like I said, give or take sure. a little bit. But I want them to have the best experience they can have on one of the most important days of their life. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I would like to meet the people who didn't book you after that speech. Because <laughs> like you, you hi- I, I would have hired you right there on the spot. Right. And, <laughs> I mean, seriously, and, and I mentioned this from right. the very beginning, the genuineness, mm-hmm. and even in the tone of your voice as you're communicating that to me, is it, right. it's extremely impactful. Somebody who's looking you right. in the face, making eye contact, and, and genuinely interested, not only in connecting with me, but adding value to my day. I mean, that's, that's really hard to beat. And, and I'm glad that you reiterated the, the, the reality, which is that you know, if, if you look around, there are a lot of photographers c- who can take a decent picture. Right. And so you do have to bring something different. And it centers around experience. And, and we all have, as business owners, an opportunity to create uh, an experience that can either make an impact or somebody can right. just experience it and they kind of shrug their shoulders and they move on. And uh, right. again, even in your, I mean, the way that you describe your meeting, I was sold. So you got me and uh, I need to <laughs> talk you. to those people who didn't book you and try to figure out what's that's wrong right. with them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, let's, yeah. let's keep going here. Cause it looks like yeah, we so. have some things to learn a lot to learn from you. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk about the piece of advice. If you had like 15 seconds in an elevator mm-hmm. to share a piece of advice with a fellow photographer and entrepreneur from your 11 years of experience, what would that first piece mm-hmm. of advice be? In 15 seconds, I would tell them to learn, learn the technical side of photography. Hmm. Learn that first. Get that, get that out the way. You know, get, get that part out the way so that you can develop your style, so you can stay in the moment. You know, I think sometimes people do it the opposite. They grab a camera, they get out there. I'm a wedding photographer. I'm a baby photographer. I, you know, and... And then they try to learn the technical things mm. on the back end. And, and I, I, would, I would always suggest and, and recommend learning the technical side first. Like learning, learning how your camera works, you know, in certain situations so that when you're taking pictures, that's the last thing that you have to think about. Yeah. And that's the point. You mentioned that earlier, that ability mm-hmm. to be able to just kind of think freely in the moment without having to think, oh, how do I use this button or what setting do I put this on? Right. I shot long enough personally as a wedding photographer that I still, there's still a muscle memory 
to holding my Nikon camera and, you know, where my, where my fingers would run to change a setting really quickly. Exactly. Um, and it's been, honestly, the last time I shot a wedding was 2000 on my own, uh, or for my business was 2012 and it's still okay. there. And it's right. that level of familiarity that really makes all the difference in the world. Because then, like right. you said, you can, you can be in the moment, you can focus on getting the shot, whatever comes to mind, you know, okay, I need to change this, this, and this, and boom, we'll be set. Right. That kind of fluidity is really important. So that's a great piece of advice. And yeah. I know that we're going to be talking about the technical side of lighting um, here in just a second, but just in general, would you recommend any particular resources for education? I mean, when we're talking about the technical aspects of photography. Mm -hmm. Where did you learn the most? Well, where I started out, you know, I was I was by myself. So I didn't really have I didn't really know what the photography community was. Okay. I reached out to a few people and I did I did have a have a mentor, but I felt like, you know, I wanted to learn more. And so I for me, I felt like photography wasn't something that I could learn at a four year university. I had to take courses, workshops. We we didn't have well, we had YouTube, but it wasn't as as much of a resource as it is now. Sure. So, you know, the first thing I did was actually I was a, I was a participant uh, an attendee at at Inspire Photo Retreats. That's where I first learned lighting. You know, if I don't know if you remember Eric, Eric Langlois, Eric and Amber, they were my they were my mentors as far as like off camera lighting. Really? OK, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also it's funny that that was Eric Langlois. And then I went back a couple years later. Again, because I said I still it's still things I need to learn yep. more about, and, uh, and it was another another Eric Eric McAllister. <laughs> really, okay. and, and he was, and I really learned a lot of uh, reception lighting, off camera reception lighting, some of the techniques from him as well. Sure, and so you know, I was I was always have been a uh, student, not just an instructor, but also a student. I, I think that's that's the thing that like I'll I'll never stop trying to learn. Oh man, which is so, so important. Like that could be a yeah. piece of advice in and of itself, right? That idea of Absolutely. not ever stopping learning, not ever stopping growing, keeping an open Never. mind. And, and you know what else too? I feel like, you know, I think sometimes people get caught up in making an assumption that there's nothing to learn from a person who doesn't have as much experience or as much of a portfolio as you. You can always learn from somebody, you mm -hmm. know? Yep. I've learned I've learned some classic posing techniques from Folks who, you know, were more what we would call like old school photographers. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's things like that that you can always learn. People, uh, situations like that you, that you can always learn from. Um, now, fast forward to today, you know, I think, and I don't know, you know, how much I can go into it, but I think that SR, SLR Lounge yeah. is an excellent resource. Sure. I, <laughs> I, I look at that all the time. Sometimes I look at it more than once because, you know, sometimes you can look at something and you get something from it and you look at it again and you're like, wait a minute, let me, let me rewind that. <laughs> I, yep. Wait a minute. So, you know, SLL Lounge is a wonderful resource, wonderful, wonderful resource for, for lighting and all types of photography subjects, but for lighting for sure. Perfect. And we'll link to that in the show notes just for anybody that's not familiar with SLR Lounge. Uh, we'll we'll yep. put that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But you, you were about to say something mm -hmm. else. Yeah, and I was going to say, and last, last but not least, you know, is it is I, I look at YouTube as well. You know, yeah, I look at YouTube, man, and like I said, I, I look at stuff. You know, sometimes, you know, I think the beauty of photography and the beauty of YouTube together, you know, I can look at something from someone with another from another country. We don't speak the same language, but I know exactly what they're doing. You know, <laughs> that's true. 
Well, the visual exactly is so helpful, right? Like it'd be one exactly. thing if you're sitting reading a textbook um, and that can feel a bit monotonous at times, kind of old school, right. but being able to right. see the visual and the commentary to go along with it, that, that really can make a massive, massive impact. And like you said, it exactly. doesn't matter if they're not speaking your language, you can still see it. Exactly. And understand. Yeah, that's really, really good. Okay, exactly. so we'll link yeah. to as many of these resources as possible in the show notes yeah. at bocapodcast.com. Everybody yeah. listening in, take advantage of those resources, yeah. especially in a conversation like today, because mm-hmm. um, we're going to be linking to or referencing many mm-hmm. different resources, uh, as you can tell. But let me jump to the next right. question, Kenny. Okay. Talk to me about time and, and more specifically in regards to how you create free time for yourself. Because I, I know that running a business can be time consuming. Certainly I'm in the process right now of getting ready to launch a new business and it is extremely time consuming. How right. do you make time for yourself and the important people in your life during a work week? Is there a particular tool or tip or technique that you utilize for, for your workflow to make time? Yeah. So like I said, I've, you know, I've been doing this for a little over 11 years and initially, you know, I, and, and let me, let me backtrack. I also have a full-time job. So you know, I, I have to I really have to manage my time. And and I'd say early on, I didn't do a good job at that. Okay. You know, I would I would shoot a wedding and, you know, and I, I tell my clients six to eight weeks from my weddings and not because it takes that long to edit, of course, right. but because of pipeline. You know, I may have two or three weddings before you. Sure. So I would tell them that. But then I would be so tired from work or, or, or from just from everything. And I would take a week off from editing. You know, and, and one thing that, you know, Nate, is that, you know, time is a very is, is a definite commodity. For so sure. either you either you're going to do it now or you're going to do it later. And so what would happen is if, if I would procrastinate, which is what I would never recommend. But as I would procrastinate, the, the deadline never changed. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> six, to, six to eight weeks didn't change. It, it, it became it just got more and more intense for me because, you know. Again, we, we're talking about customer service, so I'm not going to deliver it late, even if it meant me staying up to one, two o'clock in the morning, yep. trying to edit to to keep my word, which I think is very important. Integrity. Huge, yes. And so, what I started doing was a while back, I said, you know what, I have to stop treating my photography just like it's a hobby. It's not a hobby; it's a it's a business. And so, what I started doing was dedicating actual time to editing. So every day, and I only do it five days a week, but every day I take an hour and a half and I edit and that's it. No more, no less. And that involves whether that's culling, editing, sorting, whatever it is, but it's a definite time. And so what that allowed me to do was, okay, I'm never going to be up till one, two o'clock in the morning editing. Sure. Because I have a definite schedule of editing that I'm, that I'm going to do. And that has really helped me out because it, it helped me to organize my time. It wasn't like, okay, I have to edit. I'll, I'll do it later. No, I come home and I do it. And then, and then I do what else I need to do. But that's, that's what I would say. Like treat it as a business and, and give yourself a definitive time frame for when you have to do what you want to do, whether it's editing, whether it's posting on social media, whatever you have to do, set a time frame for it. And dedicate it instead of doing it at the end when you just don't have anything else to do. 
That's a great piece of advice. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, time blocking yeah. for certain activities and doing it a little bit at a time. I'm, man, I've, I've been the worst uh, at times with procrastination <laughs> many, many times. Oh, yeah, we, we all are. Yeah. And, and I just, I like this approach, which is a little bit at a time. You know, and, and I, I'm actually thinking about my recent efforts in regards to health and more specifically consistently working out. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've found helpful personally is instead of creating this intricate workout that is an hour and a half, two hours long, and I'm spending, you know, I'm going to the gym eight times a week and whatever it might be. And yes, I did say eight. That was on purpose. <laughs> but again, instead of You're, doing something. You, you are my hero, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not at all. <laughs> well, but, but the goal yeah. here is just sustainability, right? What is something that right. I can do consistently? In the case of my workouts, it's generally six days a week. But what is something that I can do consistently day in and day out? We'll just say for the sake of the example here. And whatever that thing is, whether that is you know editing an hour or hour and a half at a time, or it's doing email 15 minutes twice a day, or it's uh, taking 20 minutes daily to work on that album design, or whatever the thing is for your business that you're doing, do that consistently, but create a workflow that's sustainable, that's easily repeatable, that's not so overwhelming that you're, you know you're right. going to put it off because you're going to get to that and you're going to be like, oh man, I don't want to do this right. anymore. Um, create a sustainable workflow. And that's re- what I really love about this example that you give is that you're, you've created something that, it's, that you can do consistently, it's sustainable, and it means that you're not putting it off to the last minute. So like you said, you're not right. staying up to, to the last minute <laughs> right. um, on right. that last day before you have to deliver. That's a really great example exactly. for all of us, good reminder for yeah. all of us. And, and I really appreciate yeah. you letting us know about that. Let's go to the next thing, impactful book, mm-hmm. business book, self-help book that you've maybe read or listened to in the last few years. What comes to mind? I would I would say the most impactful book that I've li- listened to because I is every, every, everything is audio books for me now. Sure, sure. Is a book called Mindset. Okay. By by Carol Dweck. And that that yeah, Mindset. I would I would recommend that book to anyone at any stage of their level, even even children. Like it it's a book that I think is is beneficial for everyone. It 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 changed my perspective because it it, it, it basically talks about two mindsets. Yeah, either with a fixed mindset or growth mindset. Mm. And so most of us generally have a fixed mindset, which means, you know, we, we, we limit ourselves. Okay, this is what I can't do. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. So I won't do that. Yeah. You know, whereas a growth mindset is more of an aspect where you're saying I either win or I learn. I don't lose. Interesting. I win. I win or I learn. Oh, I like that. And so when you when you have that perspective, you're less likely to shy away from something that you don't think that you're going to be successful at because there's a way to still learn to get better at it instead of saying no, that's that's not good for me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not good at whatever dancing or or photography, whatever it is. You can always get better at it, and you have to figure out ways to get better at it. So you figure out that these situations aren't a loss, but more an opportunity to grow. Yes. Oh man, that's good. Yeah. And I think we're going to have to clip that. Yeah. Haley's, Haley's producing this podcast. Haley, I think we need to stick that up on, on Instagram with that, that, mm-hmm. that quote. That's some really good stuff. I yeah. win or I learn. This, it's not a conversation about losing. I win right. or I learn and I'm going to keep getting better. And it, you know, this reminds me again of a conversation that's so rampant these days in our culture, which is that you see somebody for a while there, just recently, and it was a very quick kind of came and went really quickly, but um, there was the Enneagram was very, very popular. Mm-hmm. And before that, it was personality tests. And, you know, I'm an right. ENFJP or whatever the, the initials are. Right. And it's 
people get really comfortable with defining themselves kind of simplistically Absolutely. and they put themselves in a box and then it just kind of the conversation ends there. And, and I just, that's so limiting. So I really love this, right. this thought process here. I win yeah. or I learn there's opportunity to improve. And, and again, keeping mm-hmm. that open mindset, that is right. really, really good stuff. Okay. Mindset. We're going to yeah. link to that in the show notes too. That's really good, yep. man. This is, this is great, Kenny. Let's jump to the mm-hmm. next one. So Talk to me about photography, more specifically, what you carry in your camera bag. This is kind of a fun question. Uh, the most okay. unusual thing that comes to mind <laughs> that you have in your camera bag. And again, this doesn't have to be a camera lens flash, anything kind of obvious. It could be t- totally random. But what's something that makes you a better photographer? Well, you know, I, I usually I'm pretty conservative. Actually. OK, OK. You know, so I don't I don't usually have a lot of little things, but I do carry what we call like a stamping block. It's kind of like a prism, but it's a square. Okay. Instead of like the instead of like the triangle, yeah, and that's and that's probably the weirdest thing that I carry with me. Um, I, I carry my back pocket. Sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. But it, it it creates very unique perspectives through the lens, and it also helps me to let's say if I'm framing something and it's something that I don't want in the frame, I can use that same piece of material to block out what I don't want in ah, the frame. Okay, so that's that's what I think makes it makes it makes me a better photographer because I can I can still frame it. But block it out with with this little. It's called a stamping block. It's, it's like an acrylic block. Sure. And is it something yeah. you just picked up on Amazon? I did. Okay. I did. Yep. And 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 again, I I found that through something that I found online with uh, with another like it was like a husband and wife team, and they talked about using stamping block. Okay. And I said, oh, let me try that, and I and I liked it, so I I I, I kept it with me. Well, and I get the impression that something, I mean, you seem to be alluding to the fact that it's only something you pull out occasionally. So you're not overdoing the use of the effect, but it's a handy tool when you need it. Right. Yeah, that's good. I, you know, I was really guilty back in the day of, of way overusing the fisheye lens. I thought it looked so cool, (laughs) but then it it tends to kind of minimize the effect of that lens when you use it too much. Right. So, so I I think it's a good reminder. Yeah. I think, I think the fisheye lens of today is the prism. You know, yeah, I think people use that a little too much, <laughs> but I, but I think that you can use it artistically, just not like all the time, you know? Sure. Yeah. No, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Well, well, we'll find one on Amazon and link to that in the show notes again <laughs> yep. too for everybody Stand listening in. in. Absolutely. Well, yep. let's, let's jump to our kind of our primary focus today, which is reception lighting. And um, mm-hmm. you actually spoke about this, or you spoke on this topic back at the Inspire conference that you were referencing earlier. And for anybody who's looking for a, a really great retreat that's kind of it has a smaller number in attendance, which means you have the opportunity to connect more with people. It's a really lovely little retreat that happened in Connecticut mm-hmm. earlier this year, but it's just inspirephotoretreats.com. We'll link to that in the show notes. But right. Kenny, let's let's get into this conversation about light. And again, as I for those of you who may not have been paying attention at the very beginning, I mentioned Kenny's Instagram, uh, which is clap C L A P P Studios, all one word, lowercase. And we'll link to that in the show notes too. But if you scroll through Kenny's Instagram account, you're going to see this really wonderful use of light. And sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's directional and selective and there's silhouette. And um, in fact, one of the one of your recent posts has a kind of a combination of just a glance of light on the bride's hand. Uh, but then it's a silhouette of their faces as really, right, really, really right. lovely. But your use of light is, is wonderful. And I want to talk about this more specifically in the context of receptions. But let's start first with your your interests, your background, what, what drew you to the use of this dynamic light? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And actually my experience of me failing with it is what drew me to it. Okay. Fair. <laughs> and, and, and this is before I read the book. 
you know, of, of growth mindset, I knew that it had to be a better way than what I was doing. You know, most of us, you know, e- even to this day, I still do it. But most of us, you know, would like bounce the light. And but there, there are a lot of times when, you know, there is no ceiling yep. or the ceiling is black or there's chandeliers up there. And, and, and so that's not the optimum way. And so I knew I had to do something different. And again, I didn't know of any local resources in my area that I could reach out to where I, I knew I wanted to learn off camera lighting. That was something I said I need to learn, not just for reception lighting, but for everything, because I needed to be able to make decisions best for my client. And so and, and that's so that's what that's what really pushed me, you know, and of course, I love the way that the off camera lighting created mood and dimension. Yep. And you could do that at your will. You know, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big proponent of taking making of, of capturing natural natural moments. But I also think it's our responsibility to to put the proper perspective, to put the proper mood in those images. So if mm. it's a first dance and let's say if it's in a if it's in a fire hall. OK, you know, and let's say the lights are still on. We as photographers can make magic in that in that moment without saying, well, you were at a fire hall, you know, you know what I mean? Yep. So it's, it's our responsibility to kind of add that mood and that dimension to, to the moment, to even to enhance the moment. And Absolutely. that's, that's what, that's what draws me to it. That's good. And you know, it's, I think back to when I used to shoot too, we ended up in some pretty, shall we say, interesting for lack of a better word here, <laughs> interesting places. I love, I, I love using that word. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you really can just make the best of it. You know I mean? The, the first thing yeah. that comes to mind when you talk about a bright fire hall, if you don't want that in the background, you're going right. to stop down that ISO. You're going to speed up Absolutely. the shutter. You're going to sync the, the, the flash accordingly. And, and immediately right. you can create a whole different mood and look and feel. And, and even just with one light, if you want to. So there, right. there are, I think this goes back, first of all, to what Kenny was saying earlier. For everybody listening in, familiarize yourself with that camera and the technicalities of what that camera is capable of to the nth degree. So you can practically do it in your sleep. So you can f- literally feel that in your hands, know exactly what you're going to do in that moment because then that yes. frees you up to be creative. And, and I like that, Kenny, that you're not kind of going all or nothing, right? You said you, you, you think it's important to capture an image or a scenario as it is, but then also to enact or exact some of your technical ability on the situation to create something beautiful and... and to, uh, to enhance it. Yes, right. yeah. To that's enhance it. Really, really good. Well, right. so I, what was the... And, and we're going to get to kind of your, your sources of inspiration through this process. I know you mentioned at least some of those earlier, but... The, the turning point in your career, like how far into your career where you're like, you know what, I need to, I need to really dial down here and mm-hmm. figure out the technique and begin to work on this proactively. How far into your career did you do that? I, w- I would say about five years in. Okay. Yep. So a lot of trial and error before then? Yeah, absolutely. So, so about, about midway through. I, I think that what helped me midway through was actually like, like platforms like social media that allowed me to see and to see other things uh, that could be that could be done. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we don't even know what can be done until we see what could be done. One of the, one of the other resources that just real quick that I that I look at is on on YouTube Magmod how I shot it. Yeah. That's a wonderful resource because you don't even know what you can do until you see it done. You're like, "Oh, <laughs> okay. But I'm going to do it my way, but yeah. okay, right?" <laughs> But you see it like you see potential. And, and I think before before that time in my career, you know, I, I didn't even know what could be done. 
Hmm. You know, I may have seen a couple websites, local websites, sure, or even or even some websites from people who weren't local. But I just didn't know what could be done. And I think social media and and YouTube, those platforms provided a lot of a lot of inspiration. I, I like to use the term image vocabulary. Okay, it, it, it increased my image vocabulary. Okay, because I I got to see other other artists. That's good. And it's, I said it, I said, oh okay okay <laughs> I, oh. I didn't know we could do that. Yeah. Okay, we could do that. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> perspective is the word that comes to mind here. And this is a, exactly. I, I'm so fascinated by perspective because it's amazing how in an instant, you're, the way that you look at the world as an individual, as a photographer, as a business person can change with an additional piece of information. And exactly. so when you have that YouTube channel, for example, that you can go to and you can gain perspective, as you alluded to, it's not necessarily that you're going to take every bit of that and go do something right. with it. But you right. can take bits and pieces and apply it in your own way and kind of make it yours, if you will. But you're gaining perspective, which furthers your ability as a photographer. And that's really good. I know that you alluded to some resources earlier, but maybe we can just kind of sum up your sources of inspiration, education, mm -hmm. particularly when it comes to your use of light for our listeners again. I like to look at uh, photography contests as well. Okay. That's something, that's something I didn't mention earlier. I like to look at photography contests like Fearless. Fearless photographers. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful resource, for, again, for that image vocabulary and perspective that you, you know, and again, that's, these are from photographers all over the world. Um, Wedding, Wedding Photojournalist Association, WPJA, that's also source of my inspiration. Those are the top photographers, sure. you know? And so those are the, I, I look at those award-winning images and I, and I, and I, and I gain inspiration from those as well. And mention the, the two photographers that you mentioned, that you alluded to earlier. We just named them one more time, the two areas. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. The first, the first group was, uh, it was Raw Photo Design. Um, and that, that was a husband and wife team of Eric and Amber Langlois. Okay. Eric uh, unfortunately passed away, so he's no, no longer with us. Oh, no. But yeah, but he, he definitely lit the, lit the fire under my pot to, wow. to, to learn and to be hungry. Wow. And to just push and to keep pushing. And to keep and to keep learning, so it, you know, I, I owe a lot to him. Wow! Um, because he he definitely he definitely got me headed in the right direction. Yeah, and for then, sure. Yeah, and then like I said, I went back a few years later, and again, I still want to learn. And uh, the the other the other source of inspiration of mine was a guy named Eric McAllister. Okay. And and he again he was a inspire instructor as well. Awesome. You know one one thing I, I'll mention, Nate. One thing about inspire. Or e even other workshops, I think that you go to, I think that people miss the opportunity to learn from the other attendees as well. Hmm. You know, I, I, and 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 that's something that I've always tried to to walk away from, like learning from the person right next to me, because you never know what they can help you with as well. You know, and I and I, and and that's a wonderful thing about Inspire. And other, I've been to other workshops too, and I've I've. I've remained friends with the attendees yeah. and we, and we've learned from each other. So that's, that's something that's also been a source of inspiration, just people that I've come in contact with. When it goes back to, again, that idea of being open to learning kind of from any and everyone. And that of course right. also requires setting ego aside. And, and that's a reminder for me too. I mean, it just in life or in business, you got to set your ego aside and just be open to, to kindly engaging with somebody. You never know what you can take away or for that matter what you can do to add value to that person's life 
exactly. and that includes those people that are attending the conferences with you. You never know who that person is or what they may have accomplished or what their technical right. ability is. They're just kind of quietly right. sitting in the audience and you may be missing out on an opportunity to really grow as a result. So that's a great piece of advice as well. Exactly. When I taught the class, the reception lighting yeah. class at Inspire, you know, I did a little research. I looked at some of my attendees websites and i was just astounded at how yeah. beautiful the work was <laughs> yeah and you're like i gotta and teach I like, these people okay all right wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was it was it was it was a very humbling experience so but yeah well let, let's actually i'd love to get some practical advice for our listeners i mean we have okay. the, the wonderful privilege truly of, of having you on the podcast and despite the fact that you've taken 11 years, we have you know an hour or so to, to talk about this topic <laughs> of lighting. But I'd love for you to kind of distill some of those principles, those sure. concepts that you've learned down into what are the most important for creating mm-hmm. powerful lighting at a reception for our listeners, if you don't mind. All right, sure. Well, the, the, the first thing that I think it, it sets the foundation for lighting, whether it's reception, any, any type of lighting that you're going to do. Okay. Whether, whether it's natural lighting or, or something that you're adding, I think there, there are four characteristics of light that I take into, a, take into account every single time I take a photo. Hmm. And, and um, I actually learned this from a fashion photographer, believe it or not. But he, he, he instilled this in me. And so every time I look at a picture or I'm about to take a picture, I think about these four things. And, and those four things are, number one, the quantity of light. How much light do I need? How much light do I want? The quality of light. Is it going to be soft? Is it going to be a little punchy? Or is it going to be a little bit in the middle? You know, what, what type of quality do I, do I want? Color. You know, we're talking about white balance. Yep. Well, then we're talking about maybe even just adding some creative gels. But what, what is the color of the light that you're adding in to the scene? Do you okay. want it to match? Do you want it not to match? What do you, what do you want to do? Sure. And then the last one. And I think this is the one that I think takes your images to another level and where I think a lot of people make mistakes is direction Mm. of light. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one of all those. That's the one that can really make or break your image is your direction, you know. And those are the those are the four things. And I don't sit down and think, okay, let me take five minutes to think about all this. You know, (laughs) it kind of now it happens instinctually. Sure. um, But those are the things that I think about before I'm making a decision in my reception lighting. You know, how much, how, how much light do I want? You yeah. know, how strong do I need it to be? Okay, do I want it to match the orange lights that's already in here? And where do I want the light coming from? Okay. And, and you mentioned earlier that you, you kind of learned these principles from a fashion photographer. Do you remember who yes. that was? Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's, his name is Roy Cox. Roy Cox. Okay, well, shout out to yeah. Roy for, yeah, for his Roy. wisdom yeah. and knowledge, still, too. Yeah, he's still doing his thing. C O X Cox. He's in he's in Baltimore. He's he's an amazing yeah fashion photographer. You know? I would love to try something a, a little bit unusual here because I know that mm-hmm. you're calling me from your phone, but I, maybe we mm-hmm. can pull up if you'll pull up your Instagram account, and and okay. I'd love to make this really tangible for our listeners. Uh, okay. I've, I've got your Instagram account pulled up here as well. And and let's just kind of go through each of these four points. And maybe you can give me an example of each sure. uh, of each of these points from one picture. And, and for those of you listening, and I know that you're going to be listening to this after the fact, so we'll reference the date of the post so you can pull that up when you look at, uh, at Kenny's account. But let's start okay. with first with quantity of light. Find a, an image for us yeah. that, that really is a great example of how you thought about quantity of light and the use of that in the image. 
All right. So let's go to the second post where where the couple's backlit by the uh, by the stained glass. Yes. I love this image. Yeah. I have to say right after that, I, the thing that stuck yeah. out the most to me, and I, I want to let you comment on this, this principle of quantity mm-hmm. of light, but I have to say the thing that stood out to me with this image was the very subtle back, like the rim lighting happening on the guests as they're watching the couple was just exactly. stunning. Exactly. Exactly. And now, and this is, this is an image that was shot that, you know, this didn't involve any, any off camera light. Right. This was, this was all natural light, but the but the principles are the same, mm. you know, you know. And so this this applied more, you know, the, the image happened in the moment, of course, but it also applied as I was editing the image. OK, you know, so, you know, as far as as far as uh, quantity of light, you know, I knew that if I exposed properly for the couple, the the, the stained glass would have been blown out. True. And I felt like the image would not have had the same mood and dimension sure. if I created more of a silhouette for them. Yeah, well, there is there is an interesting combination and balance. And that's, that's the other thing that really stands out. And by the way, for those of you listening in, this is a June 14th post. So if you're going to scroll back through Kenny's feed, June 14th, mm-hmm. and it is, it's a stunning horizontal image of the, this bride and groom who's standing, it looks like during the ceremony, in front of the stained glass. And mm-hmm. it is somewhat silhouetting them, but you can still see a little bit of detail. And then that same right. light is affecting the guests in a different way. And it's just this very beautiful, soft rim light uh, mm-hmm. around their heads and um, and giving shape to their faces. Just really, really beautiful. But the combination of an almost silhouette with a very subtle kind of side light yep. on the guest is a, is a wonderful combination. And, and this mm-hmm. is a great example. When I think about quantity of light, it might be easy when you think about creating something that's dramatic to just like shoot that massive flash from whatever direction the, <laughs> right. the subject and, and create this extremely, or ultimately an extreme image, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily need that extreme amount of light. This is a great example of the subtlety of just using a little bit right. and not only shooting for, but processing for that subtle light. And uh, exactly. so that's really, really good. Okay, let's yeah. do let's do quality of light. What's one that, that uh, stands out to you when it comes to this idea of quality? So in that in that same June fourteenth, yeah. we can just stay in that in that wedding. Sure. This if we look at the the reception lighting. Okay. The one where they're under the chandelier. Yes. Yes. You know, this this was a decision made to have soft light on the couple. Okay. This was a soft light. This was actually uh, this was two lights. Yeah, this was two lights. This is one light to the. This is the back light, and this is what I'll talk about too. Uh, this is a light left of the couple in the back, making a rim that. light. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then there was also another light with, uh, I, I talk about magmod stuff, but I use magmods a lot to control the light. Okay. Um, so I put a grid and a mag sphere to the right of the couple and it's, and it's just, it's out of the frame. Yes. But it's back far enough because with a grid, you know, a grid is going to control the light. So you want to pull it back, uh, you know, far enough, about 10 to 15 feet so that you can still get a nice spread of light on the couple you know this light was all this was all off camera so this was this was a decision that i wanted the light to be soft but still directional and i still wanted you to get the mood that i wanted you to 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 feel with the uh with the amber tone chandelier yes you know had i had i bounced this this entire room would have been lit up and uh this was a room where i learned really the hard the hard lesson that you can't bounce in every ceiling 
because the the light comes back down through the chandelier and it creates these speckles. Oh, speckles no. of light. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So I learned that the hard way years ago. Like, oh no, what am I gonna do? So I, I knew again, we talk about experience. I knew exactly what I wanted to do coming into this room. So I, there are a couple of things I'd, I'd love to follow up on here. One, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned the significance of having that off-camera light. I mean, it ultimately gives a, a third dimension, if you will, to the image, some depth to the right. image, which right. you just don't get with with you know one on-camera flash that you're just popping at, at the couple. And mm-hmm. um, that that really needs to be emphasized because while there are some photographers certainly that may take more of this approach, I think there's plenty of that that kind of flatter light approach or even natural light approach, and you and you mm-hmm. lose some of the dimension that you can get from using lights creatively, a couple of lights creatively and subtly exactly. here, right? Uh, which is really important. So that rim light, I mean, that, yeah. I loved being able to have a second light that mm-hmm. was creating that that backlight, sometimes a flare depending on where I was positioning myself. Um, and then, exactly. and, and that really gave some dimension, some interest to the image, mm-hmm. but I love the subtlety of this too, because not only is the rim light subtle, but then the, the, the main light, if you will, or I guess this would be the fill light technically that you're using with mm-hmm. the grid that is adding light to the couple is also extremely soft. Um, as you right. said, so that it doesn't take away from the chandelier. Not only that, it doesn't take away from the, the purple light in the, the background. lighting. Right. Yeah, which is really, really great as well. I love the right. subtlety of that. And this is mm-hmm. a, a wonderful example. Okay, let's talk about color of light. All right, let's go to, uh, this is an engagement session. Go to uh, my January 3rd. Okay. This was an interesting, in, in the, the first picture is, is this a is this a color image or a black and white image or this is color color okay I'm just looking yeah, here January third yeah, January third yep it's a it's a backlit couple under a bridge January third okay got it I'm there go ahead yeah yeah so and you see the first image right so this is this is actually uh, a couple the the couple is uh, to the bottom right yes wow. I, yeah, honestly, they, when I first saw the image, I, I didn't. I didn't even realize there was a couple there. It's very subtle, right. but that is really <laughs> right. powerful. Yeah, and believe it or not, this was like the last image of the shoot. You know, it was it was a little late. Okay, uh, but what I you know this one, what I saw was the orange the orange lights. Yes, that was like so. This is a bridge. So there are cars really coming through the bridge. So they're on the sidewalk. Okay, of the uh, of the bridge. You know. Wow. And what and what I did was I actually shot with I shot actually a, so I just changed the color all the way because I I wanted the the blue to complement the orange, you know, as far as like like color wheel stuff. I wanted it to I wanted to complement the the orange. Okay. So, I knew I knew that, you know, the I knew that I needed a blue, so I actually used like a blue a blue gel and I backlit them. So you can kind of see them there, but you don't see their whole body. You just see their faces. Yeah. No, I mean, it, again, you know? it's very yeah. subtle, but it's extremely impactful. And what's interesting too right. about using that blue light is it also matches um, the ambient light out outdoors. Out, outdoors. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So there's some consistency there. And then you have the, I, I love contrast. I think I've probably exactly. said it multiple times on the podcast now, but I love contrast and the contrast of that very distinct orange then with the subtle blue with the blue really right. really nice wow and, and that was powerful. and that was something that i really I, I picked up just along the way again I, I would see some images that were like award-winning images and i was like oh, i like this the color and then i learned the history not, not the history but the background behind why certain colors actually appeal to you certain color combinations because yeah. of like the because of the color wheel and where they are yeah you know 
So okay, all right. That that was definitely a color image that I that I did on like on purpose. Well, and that's a great example. So for those of you listening mm-hmm. in, again, that was a January third post. And if you're scrolling through the feed, you're gonna it, it's it is subtle. So you're gonna want to look for the the kind of orange <laughs> right. stripes. So those will stand out to you. January third post, and and look closely, you'll see the couple in the corner there. That's a really interesting example. All right, so. We we did quantity of light, quality of light, color of light. Um, let's mm-hmm. go to direction of light. And there's actually a post direction. that I'd love to get your take on when it comes okay. to this direction of light. So it's a September 4th image shot in black and white. There's light coming from the top right-hand corner. It looks like natural light coming from the top right-hand corner, uh, September okay. 4th post. Oh, yes, absolutely. So this was done. Um, I do a lot of work at actually in D.C. at the, like the National Gallery of Art. Okay. That's where this was taken. And what I what I look for, you know, I don't just look for like a nice shaded area. I look for areas where the light is coming in directional. Yeah. And this was this is one of those examples. So, you know, seeing this light, that's that's why I put them right there, because I saw how the light was just coming in on an angle coming like coming down into the image. You know, and then at the same time with this, you have to then know, okay, well, then if the light's coming that way, then the the couple's faces have to be in a certain direction yes to to complement that the the direction of the light yep you know yeah if they if they had turned their heads even slightly to the right now you would have cast shadows and it would exactly. have, it would have interfered with being able to see their faces very well so um, that's a right. great point that you make right yeah, that's that's a really good one for for direct direction. Yeah, and, and know, just as I, yeah. a as a bonus here for everybody listening in, if you're there on that September fourth post, if you go to the next image, is also just yep. a stunning, stunning use of. <laughs> I, I guess we yep. could call this directional light, but but the, the the selective light too, where you're almost right. posing them in the shadows. Is that what happened there? That's exactly what happened. Yep, I, I, I'm I'm walking through. So so when I shoot Nate, you know, I, I have a mental game plan when I'm gonna do, but. It's it's open to a lot of flexibility, yeah. you know. And so I'll walk and I'll see something like, "Ooh, okay, wait a minute, stand right there." And they're like, yep. "Oh, there he there he goes again. He saw, <laughs> he must have seen something." Yes. And it's funny because you know because your client can't see it, you know, your, your client can't see the potential sure. of what you can see. Sure. And I'm like, "Okay, just stand right here, and I want y'all to talk about yesterday's dinner or something like yeah. that, you know." And 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 who cooked? Okay, who and I'll say, "Who cooked the peanut butter and jelly sandwich?" And they're like, "What? What are you talking about?" And they're laughing and I'm shooting, you know, but I've, I've put them in this in this selective lighting, like you said, to uh, to kind of to, to put the highlight on them. Yeah. So so those four principles are the groundwork for approaching any lighting situation you need to be in. OK, um, but in the real world, in the real world, there there are some points that I think that I go through with every venue. And I think it's 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 good to mention. OK. Let's um, yeah. The, the first one is. You know, scout out your venue, you know, either go there ahead of time or at least do some research online. Know what the venue looks like that you're going to be shooting in, because that's going to help dictate what tools that you're going to need to bring to the table Yeah. for, you know, know, know that. Right. Know that. Know that your reception is going to be outside, you know, and not in a in, not in a room with all white walls. And ceilings. <laughs> you yeah, know, right. know that, you know, if and, and here's one thing, too. You know, nowadays our couples like to uh, do this thing called uh, dancing on clouds, where the smoke comes in. You know, things like that. You have to communicate with the DJ, communicate with the planner, so you know where these things are happening, so that you're not caught off guard. Um, the second thing is, don't overcomplicate things. 
You know, every, every, I know sometimes we have a habit of getting advice from people and then we, we walk away saying, that's how I'm going to do it from now on, you know? And every, every venue doesn't need four off camera lights. <laughs> true. You know, <laughs> you don't need it. You know, some, I mean, at, at, at a minimum, at a minimum, I usually have one to two lights off camera to separate my, uh, my couples from the background. And to add and to add that mood and dimension, and, and I have to ask too. We, we just mm-hmm. mentioned briefly what lights you're using. I'm sure there there's oh people sure who would, would be curious. Yeah, and and this that's very important because it, it dictates how I work. I use flashpoint lights. Okay, and what's awesome about those lights is that you know I can control the power of the lights from my camera. Right. You know, and I can use one of my flashes can control the other flashes. I can turn that flash off. And still use the two off-camera flashes right. or three off-camera flashes, and that that has tremendously changed how my work looks. I no longer have to just adjust on the technical side. I don't have to just adjust the f-stop to adjust the power because when when, when you adjust the f-stop, that's going to really change how the image is looking overall, anyway. Right. Right. You know. Oh, hundred percent. And those yeah. you said flashpoint. Those are by Godox, correct? Godox. Yes. And yep. Which we have, we have to mention are not that expensive, right? They are not. They are like $99. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I think, yeah, $99. And they have a uh, rechargeable lithium-ion battery. Okay. So I gave all my AA batteries away, you know. Um, they, 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 they aren't very – they aren't as strong. That's only the, – the, the flash power isn't as strong as your Nikon or your Canon okay. flagship flashes. But in an environment like that, you don't really need that much power. Um, for, for times when I do need more power, then I go to my Godox AD 200, which is still, um, and it, and that communicates with my other flashes as well. Oh, that nice. has 200, that has 200 watt seconds as opposed to about 60 watt seconds for the regular flashes. Oh, wow. That's a big jump. It's a big jump. Right. But what that, what that helps you do is, okay, if you have a stronger light, then you can set it at less power and then with less power your recycle time is better. So you're not missing flat. You're not missing images while the, while the flash is trying to power back up. Right. That, that makes sense. So sometimes if I know that I'm going to be, if I need to use repetitive flashes, I may pull in my AD 200 just to make sure that, you know, every image is lit because I can shoot my AD 200 at like one thirty seconds of a power or one sixty fourth of a power where with with my regular flash, I may have to shoot that at a fourth, huh? Because okay. of because of the power, and and I may be off on the math, but that's a you know just a roundabout figure. Well, but this is this is good for everybody listening in, especially those just getting mm-hmm. started. That we remind them that that this type of equipment that is so powerful, so flexible, so capable, mm-hmm. does not cost a lot. Exactly, and, and we'll make sure to link to these tools, and they are tools at the end of the day. Um, but yep. very much affordable tools. We'll link to them yep. in the show notes at uh, bookapodcast.com. Yep. But you, you talked first about the importance of scouting at the venue, so creating awareness so you know what yes. you're walking into. Uh, number right. two is don't overcomplicate. I love this one. I'm a minimalist. <laughs> I think that right. we just we convolute and complicate our lives too much. Anything right. that we can do to simplify, that's good. Uh, what's the next right. point? The third point is more technical, too. Uh, use grids. Okay. Use your grids to control the light. That, that was probably one of the biggest game changers for me with using grids so I can control the light in the situation. Uh, your image looks a lot different 
when light spills everywhere as opposed to you putting the light exactly where you want it to be. Interesting. And so I use grids and I use and I usually use gels as well to match the the ex, the color of the existing light. Okay. Yeah, and and those I, I get that from my Magmar stuff. So okay. that's 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 really easy to put on change. I don't have to screw or Velcro. Exactly. Slap slaps on. <laughs> that's so good though. Yeah, we'll link yeah. to Magmod as well. But okay, okay, so the third point, using grids to focus yeah. the light, and then of course yeah. a little bonus there, throwing some color too to match the yeah. existing ambient light. Yeah. That's and that's that, a good one. And, and and going back to the four characteristics, you know, grids and gels, that's color and direction. Yes. And it's and it's also quantity. Okay. Of light. Okay. You know, so it it it, it kind of touches on a, a lot of those characteristics. The the fourth one, and I think this is where where the magic happens. You know, now most most of us shoot with with second shooters. You know, and so if you don't, yeah, I'm not sure if I would recommend this, but you know, with a second shooter, you know, once you've got the safe shots, once I've gotten the safe shots. Mm-hmm. I like to conduct some control experience, uh, experiments with my life. <laughs> I like now. You said that in a yeah. very politically correct manner. At, there, that's yes, good. yes. Twenty four <laughs> years of government employee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a controlled experiment. Okay. Be, because and in other I'm words, not, you like to have some fun. I like to have some fun, <laughs> but 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 I'm not going to mess their images up. Fair enough. You know, enough. I, I'm going to I'm going to take you know dance, and that's another thing. So I'm going to ask the DJ, hey DJ, first dance. How long do I have? Yeah. Okay, you got about two minutes. Oh, awesome. You know, so I know how much time I have. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get some safe shots. My second shooter, he has two bodies on, so he's getting he's getting his wide range of shots as well. You know, and then, you know, after I get the safe shot, I may turn off my my main light. I may turn off the main light and then have a side light. Or I may or I may create it where I have the, the two the, the two kick lights in the back. So it's creating this a rim light around the couple while they're dancing. So experiment controlled you know make sure that you're getting it right but that's sometimes you know your, your clients will love those images because it's something different yeah experiment in a controlled manner okay yeah in a controlled manner because that's that's where the magic happens yeah you know? well and then you can take those techniques and and kind of push them forward to upcoming events and the work that you do exactly. with other clients which is really great exactly yeah, that's, exactly. that's well. Yep. And, and let's all be honest, too. I mean, we have a reception you're talking about in some cases, three, four, five hours of repetitive dancing. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's definitely right. opportunity to experiment and oh, still absolutely. provide more than enough images for for the exactly. clients to keep them happy. So uh, that's yeah. good to note. OK, exactly. well, this is this has been really, really good. And uh, again, for everybody listening in, just go to clap CLAPP studios on Instagram. And yeah. um, we've referenced the, the dates associated with these images. You're gonna have to check them out. Uh, yeah. And these principles, quantity of light, quality of light, color of light, and direction of right. light. And Kenny, I really appreciate you making time to share your insight and your experience. Uh, and for that matter, again, just your energy. It's its mm-hmm. invigorating, really. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that with all of us today here in the, the podcast. You. Will you just remind our listeners? I know I just mentioned Instagram. Tell us where mm-hmm. they can find you on your website and Facebook sure. as well. Sure. Yeah, my website, everything is pretty consistent. My website is uh, www.clapstudios.com. Uh, Instagram is at Clap Studios and Facebook is Clap Studios as well as a business. 
as Perfect. a business page. Perfect. Yep. We will link to all of that in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Today was a loaded uh, show notes as well. So for those of you listening in, don't forget to take advantage. Go to bocapodcast.com. You can see the the notes, the show notes for this episode. And thanks once again, Kenny, for making time for all of us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been an honor speaking with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.